So hi, welcome to Speak Easy, the cybersecurity podcast from ESET. I'm Tony Anscombe, Chief Security Evangelist, and today I welcome Dan Ives. Now, Dan is considered one of the top technology analysts on Wall Street. He is certainly number one in demand by journalists, financial followers and investors. And I seem to see his name pop up just about everywhere. Working for Webbush Securities, a comment from Dan can send company executives either running for the hills or to the bar ordering more of that vintage champagne, depending on the assessment he gives. Yeah, following company earning statements or just general activity in the market. Now, he covers all the biggies, Tesla, Apple, Microsoft. He also covers cybersecurity, which is why he's a guest here today on Speakeasy Cybersecurity. So with that, Dan, Managing Director and Senior Equity Analyst at Webbush Securities, joining me from New Jersey. Welcome to Speakeasy, the Cybersecurity No, thank podcast. you. It's so great to be here and, uh, and thanks for having me on. I really look forward to to talk about the industry. Well, firstly, Dan, did I miss anything in that introduction? I think what you missed is that I'm trying to actually get my handicap to below 30 in golf. But outside of that, <laughs> I think you you kind of nailed it. Now, is that in real golf or, or, or virtual golf? <laughs> I virtual in my dreams. It's, um, yeah, but, but also on the side, I think, um, I think that's a really good introduction. I think it's something where, especially in cybersecurity, that's been a huge passion of ours going back to 1999. You know, covered the industry, of course, from a from a Wall Street analyst perspective, really seeing it evolve. And you know, we we've been able to sort of see a lot of ebbs and flows of the industry. And it's really a lot of my passion resides in that part of our coverage sector. So in that period, so 1999, uh, yeah, that's a fair few years now, isn't it? 23 years. So you must have seen some fairly interesting changes over that time. So is there anything that particular that stands out for you, that standout moment in those 23 years? I mean, I remember a time talking to Art Colvial, you know, RSA chairman, and basically there was a point where you thought the RSA security conference was not going to exist anymore. I mean, there was, it was almost a quarter of Moscone Center and, and shrinking if I thought back to 2002, 2003. And I think it just shows, you know, at that point where cybersecurity was so much consumer antivirus, McAfee, Symantec, and, and how much it's changed, you know, when you think about on the enterprise, whereas now, you go to an RSA security conference, and actually this one will, will not be virtual. You got Moscone both sides. You know, it's it, I, the amount of companies, it's unbelievable. And I think it just shows what's happened to the industry. It certainly does. In fact, I think my first RSA, Dan, was, was not at the Moscone. I think it was before it managed to get uh, something that big. Um, so it certainly has changed. And yeah, as I uh, as I think this year, I think there's, as you mentioned, it's back in physical form. And I think actually there's a waiting list of cybersecurity companies that want to uh, to exhibit. And with the new size of the Moscone, that's quite, quite impressive. Yeah, and I think, look, I think it just shows the industry how much it's evolved. But I think it's a double-edged sword, too, because from a stock perspective, I think there's for good and for bad, it's painted with, it's an acronym, we'll call it like almost like a word salad 
type of sector, right? Where it feels like every coven does the same thing, hard to distinguish one from the other. And I think that's caused a lot of noise in the sector as well, which is something that I think from an investor perspective, I think that that's why there's always been a sense of skepticism in cybersecurity, like how could all these companies be successful? I think that's something that it's been a blessing, but it's also been a curse in terms of for the sector. Well, the, the sector also uh, has not maybe suffered, but you know, lots of different companies use lots of different terms. And we've seen the use of AI come up in the in the recent years. And you know, AI is not new actually to most of the sector. It's just that I don't think that's part of the sector went out and told people they were using machine learning and, <laughs> and artificial intelligence because yeah, there was a feeling of, well, that's, that's beyond what you need. You don't need to know what we do behind the scenes. And then I think actually your point of understanding what companies do, I think is really important. I think there is an element of um, snake oil in some instances. Look, I think any software, it's a sales driven culture. And I think that's something that in cybersecurity, it is a little different today. But I think it's more of a pull than a push just because of the shift to cloud, more and more threats that are elevated across the board for governments and enterprises. And I think it goes back to, to budgets. I mean, as a percent, what cybersecurity is today relative to what it used to be. And, you know, we believe cybersecurity by next year will be a double digit as a percent IT budgets. Just for scale, I mean, five years ago, for context, it was 2% overall IT budget. What do you think is driving that, Dan? Because I'm kind of curious. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sitting here and watching from maybe the other side of the fence to you, but I'm seeing, you know, policy changes and legislation coming through. Sure. You know, you're at the moment, this moment in time, you're seeing lots of warnings from CISA and the, the, the government agencies and such like about heightened security threats. Is that what's driving it, or is it the data breaches and the ransomware of the last two years? Well, um, uh, yeah, no, it's a great question. Look, I think the first thing that's driving it, and I think this is the overarching, is the shift to cloud. I think when you think about what's happened with Microsoft and Amazon with AWS and Google, you know, as well as Oracle, I mean, there's a trillion of cloud spending over the next seven years. And as more and more enterprises, and just for context, four of every 10 workloads is in the cloud today. We believe that goes to seven of 10 by 2025. As you have that digital transformation, I'll call it a fourth industrial revolution, you gotta protect those workloads. Gotta protect that cloud, protect the endpoints, protect the vulnerabilities. So I think one is the shift in terms of cloud. Two, it's a sophisticated level of attacks that we see every day. And I think that more and more companies are grappling with, of course, ransomware is one of them, but I think many companies are just not prepared relative to the sophisticated level of attacks. And I think the third thing, and it's gone to board level, is that more and more companies, you know, whether it's the Biden Cyber Act in terms of the executive order, or just some overarching themes that you're seeing for companies, it's become a board priority. It's no longer a mid-level IT priority. And I think that those combined is why there's a waiting list for RSA. Those combined is why there's 
800 billion of dry powder to fund private cybersecurity companies today. That's why we are where we are. Well, that's an inter- that's an interesting perspective, Dan, and and that certainly makes me think uh, think a little bit more. I mean, co- coming back to that policy side, I mean, as a as a financial analyst, I mean, you that that side has been regulating as well and pushing for cybersecurity incidents to be notified, haven't they? The SEC have got the rules for advisors and they've got the rules for uh, publicly traded companies um, currently being touted. And you saw the FDIC uh, put in some rules as well, I think around the Christmas, uh, holiday period of last year, uh, where companies need to disclose if they have an incident. Yeah, and I think, I mean, look, you go back, I mean, few years ago, 95% of incidents were not being reported. So it just goes back to like you had the target breaches, and of course you've had solar winds and some others, but I think many breaches were not being reported. So clearly there's much more of a compliance policy. But with that said, I still believe that's a slow, I almost call it a slow growth driver. You know, in terms of the policy piece, I think a lot of it really comes down to just what's happening with companies today. But I do think, you know, I think there's been many, um, like, false fire alarms where, you know, there were different things that have happened in the industry where you thought it was going to change the industry. I do believe that the cyber executive order from Biden has really changed things. I mean, we're seeing a lot of deal flow that's accelerated because of it. Yeah, and one of the one of the things specific to that was the critical infrastructure segment, um, for you know, for um, for obvious reasons, which is super interesting because I'm kind of curious whether, as a as an analyst that's looking at the cybersecurity space, whether other analysts in in your company or or you know, your friends are looking at that critical infrastructure sector from an energy or utility perspective and whether how that conversation is crossing over because you know here in the US you've got what 50,000 uh, companies providing water to US citizens and you know I know my local one Dan I look at it and think there's no way they have any knowledge about cybersecurity um and 50,000 companies, that's a tough ask, isn't it, for anybody to actually change their their view or vision of actually how to protect that critical infrastructure segment. I just wonder how easy that is and whether you're getting pulled into those conversations from an analyst perspective. Yeah, I mean, we get pulled in from an analyst perspective in terms of like talking to a lot of these companies, trying to understand who are really going to be potentially the winners. But But obviously, it's very early days in terms of where that is. And I think there's there's a land grab that's going to go on in terms of that part of the market. I think there's a lot of the traditional technology players, the Oracles, the Microsofts, the Amazons, the SAPs, that are good, they're going to be gunning for that, just given the opportunities. And then you're going to have some of the, I think, established sort of pure plays that go forward. And you know, it's really bleeding into that part of the market that's really started to morph. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to bring this slightly back to to ESET. I mean, I I don't know how much 
research you've done on us, Dan, but I mean, because we're not a public company and as you know, we're a European company. Um, and we do a lot of heavy research in that sector. Uh, if you look at some of our, the research we do is around, some of it's around critical infrastructure and we're still, you know, research heavy, I think is the word I'd use, which is the, the industry requires. You need to understand, you know, what happens yeah, under the, under the hood, so to speak, as opposed to yeah, just stopping. Yeah, but I also I would say I think what you guys are doing, you and the team, not many are doing. I actually think it's an area where there's not as much deep analysis and research because of where we are in terms of the evolution, and I think that's actually probably one of the biggest areas. I think, oh, especially on the private company side and on the venture capital side, like when I get asked, you know, like from, from, from VCs and private equity, you know, I get a lot of questions about that segment. And it's, a, yeah, to me, it's a super interesting segment to be in because, you know, when we put out research, you know, we really have taken the hood off of something and taken the engine apart to actually understand what's going on underneath and how, something might be abused or, or reused in the future. And that, that helps not just us in our products, but in other people's products as well, because I'm sure they learn from some of that in-depth research that we publish. I think that helps as an ecosystem because it's interesting. And, and given given what we're talking on, on, kind of on that subject, it's one of the challenges I think for every, all companies is resource. Yeah, do do you see much of that when there's mergers and acquisitions? Are, are people running off for pastures new because there's such a resource shortage? Well, yeah, and I think we're going to see more and more M&A in the sector. Because I think you're seeing more and more consolidation. Because I think also, from a critical infrastructure perspective, I think a lot of it is going to be about scale and scope as well. Yes, absolutely. I like well, like I said, you know, the, I think it wasn't until uh, until the, the actually the executive order last summer that I looked up to see how many water supply companies that were in the U.S. and I, it's somewhat well, shocked well, me. Well, especially water. No, but especially you start talking about grids, water supply. You know, especially when we talk about where we are in terms of. You know, we believe there's a cyber war well underway, you know, in terms of Russia, you know, uh, following the heartbreaking Ukraine situation. And I think, look, I think it just shows the exposure that, that that we have, not just, you know, within the U.S., but also within Europe. Yes, and it's it's something that doesn't get uh, fixed quickly. Um, you know, there's been years of uh, underinvestment in an entire sector, and it's not going to change very quickly with you know suddenly you've got resource and, and money to spend it that doesn't necessarily solve the problem you know archaic yeah. systems as yeah. you know take time to fix and time to change and it takes several years in a lot of instances to actually bring something up to a modern day standard um, and I think it will be interesting to see how that transpires and and what happens over the next certainly over the next 12 months I think we are going into a pivotal 12 to 18 months ahead for, for the sector. I, I, I think we're, I think when we talk about the sector a year from now, I think you're going to see a lot more investment dollars that flow there. How do you see 
private company like ESET actually playing their role in that market as, as it grows? Well, I think when we look at private companies, including yours, I mean, we kind of evaluate based on what customer feedback is. That's a big, a big way that we evaluate. I mean, we do a lot of customer checks, a lot of partner checks, a lot of reseller, and we try to identify who are the next gems. Just like over the, you know, 10 years ago, identified names like Zscaler and others, you know, who's the next Zscaler? Who's the next CrowdStrike? Who's the next Palantir? You know, and, and that's really, that's one of our jobs in terms of where we sit, you know, for, for investors. Yeah, that's, well, that's super interesting. I hadn't realized you go out and talk to to partners and such like. I bet those, some of those conversations are super interesting because those are the, those are the people, of course, down on the on the battlefield, so to speak, actually dealing with the end, uh, you know, the end organisations that buy products and and dealing with the issues they're having on a on a daily basis. Well, and that gives us a good sense. You know, a lot of times companies they can miss a quarter, stock gets killed. Okay, does that mean the thesis changes? That's why sometimes, like you know, when you do our checks with companies, it gives you a much better I think understanding of what's happening, it's all part of sort of a, the ecosystem and, and how you analyze these stocks, not just on the public, but even on the private, right? In terms of up and comers. Yeah, and uh, you say you can miss a quarter. I, I have worked for public companies before and I know how brutal you guys can be if somebody misses two of those. Yeah, well, once you miss two, I mean, that's that's called the cockroach thesis. There's never just one cockroach. There's never just one earnings miss. So usually once you uh, start missing earnings, there's more to come. Yes, it's, it's always interesting to be being in a company that's on the other side of, of, <laughs> of comments that analysts well, make. Well, I think, uh, yeah, when, when you're in one of those companies, once you start missing quarters, that's usually when uh, you start focusing on that resume if you want Times, Roman, or Ariel, what type of font. <laughs> Yeah, fortunately we're we're a growing company, which is great, and, uh, and nice, private, nice, so we nice keep away from all that stuff. The the other side. Yes, absolutely. So it would be wrong of me to have a conversation with you about investment and stuff like that, and and cybersecurity without bringing up the topic of cryptocurrency. And I'm kind of curious whether this is the this is the currency of choice of cyber criminals. And I'm interested to hear whether you think or, or what you see you know will that get regulated in some way to actually take take the monetization away from cybercrime look it's it's a double-edged sword right i mean it's 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 part of the negative with crypto but then it's also part of you know in terms of the the secrecy and the lack of government focus around it, that's actually been one of its appeals as well. I do believe you need more regulation in crypto to see it go more mainstream. Without regulation, it's gonna be hard to see it hit the next level. And I think that's something that there obviously has to be a happy medium, but like you talk about, like cyber crimes, ransomware, I mean, you know, crypto goes hand in hand and that's, and I think it's even something that we're seeing in, in, 
you know, as they're cutting off oxygen to, to Russia in terms of the economy, there's the crypto piece, which is very controversial, right? Like, how do you stop crypto? Is that a way that a lot of Russian, you know, can get around SWIFT? So I think it speaks to, there's a lot of tough questions around crypto. And I don't think all the answers are there. And I think that's why there continues to be so much debate around it. Well, exactly. And I, I think I did read a news article over the weekend that they're going to accept uh, energy payments in cryptocurrency. So they, they, there may be one of the circumventions that you, met, you know, mentioned in there. So you're conscious of time here, Dan, and, and I know we're, we're heading, heading towards the end of our podcast, but this is speakeasy, by the way. So one of the questions I'm going to I'm going to ask you right at the end, and I'm going to just ask it to you now, just so you can think about it, is, yeah, this is speakeasy. So what's your favourite drink? But before we get to that, yeah, I'm I want to bring this back to a personal level. What's your favourite smart device? What tech is it that you love in your life? The, look, my favorite smart device, which is basically attached to me like my two arms and two legs is my iPhone. I mean, it's it's something where I know like last night I was on a red eye for what 10 hours. I think and obviously the Will Smith uh, Chris Rock thing definitely added to it, but I think I was on my smartphone for about, you know, 10 10 and a half of that. So yeah, so definitely like my iPhone 13 Pro uh is almost uh you know, it's almost a part of my body, which we, which is something where I've always been a core iPhone person. That's why my iPhone and AirPods, those are kind of my uh, my bread and water. So I wonder which which version of the iPhone will actually become part of your body, will become the implant. That's a good, but look, that's why this is all the drum roll to Apple Glass that will come out, you know, we believe, this year, which is the AR VR headset that Apple's going to come out with. And that's gonna, and that's gonna take everything to a new level, because ultimately, look, I think it just speaks to, you know, more and more like smartphones are are kind of going more and more into wearables, whether it's watches, and and now it's gonna go into glass. And I think that's something where, um, you know, I think it just shows more and more the ecosystem has become so large. Of a lot of these tech companies. So I'm going to come back to my question. Now you've had time to think on it, Dan. This is Speakeasy Security. So what's your favorite drink at the moment? Well, my favorite drink is always a good cab. Good Cabernet. That's that's kind of my go-to as, as my core drink. Well, that's a, I, so obviously from where I'm sat, I'm fairly close to Napa, uh, the Napa Valley. So, yeah, I hope that's a Napa wine that you're drinking. Yeah, I love Napa wines. I also, I've been getting some good cabs from from Oregon, and also there's um, you know there's some niche some niche wineries uh, that uh, we're big fans of. But I'm a huge cab fan. But I will tell you, in the summer, I do tend to uh, you know then go to rosé. I will admit, I am a rosé drinker once it gets warm out. Uh, once once the summer comes down, I'm a PIMS person. And guess what? I strongly respect that. <laughs> With a splash of gin. Has to uh, have a, a, oh, my a, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put you in my iPhone contacts. I'm such a big fan of that. 
Yeah, gym-based PIMS is uh, is my tipple in the summer. But anyway, with that, Dan, conscious of time, I'd like to thank you for joining uh, me on Speakeasy on this episode. And uh, yeah, I ha- any parting comments, any investment tips you want to leave with our listeners? No, I, w- I would just say, first of all, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's a very volatile market. I think you focus on your risk profile, but we believe tech is pretty oversold here. I'd look at software, cybersecurity, and our top large cap names, Apple and Microsoft. All right. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for being my thank guest you. today. And I look, for, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again at some stage. 